and welcome back to State of Mind. I'm Grace Kingswell. I'm a nutritional therapist and lifestyle medicine advocate. And this is my series all about health, mental well-being, state of mind, the environment, creating sustainable practices and finding true connection with yourself, those around you and with nature. Today, I'm talking to Alison Mountford, the founder of Ends and Stems. Ends and Stems, as you might guess from the name, is a lot to do with food waste. It's a recipe delivery service that aims to reduce your food waste at home. The reason I was so excited to talk to Alison is because she's all about community. And having been on this podcast journey for some time now, I've realized from talking to so many different and amazing people that regaining our sense of community is the number one way that we can all start thinking with a more sustainable mindset. Of course, the statistics on food waste are shocking. 24 million slices of bread a day are wasted in the UK alone. But we go so much deeper than just statistics in this podcast episode and we start to discuss the fundamental human behaviours surrounding waste and our careless throwaway attitudes and the whys and hows of this food waste issue. Alison and her team have developed a clever calculator that will tell you at the end of each week, if you followed her meal plans, how many kilograms of carbon you have saved. I think this is amazing as it gives you a truly tangible way to make a difference, but it gets even better. Alison then collaborated with a specialist to figure out how many slices of pizza would equate to kilograms of carbon. So at the end of each week, she can accurately tell you how many slices of pizza you've saved from landfill. There is so much knowledge and insight in this episode and I really hope you enjoy it. It's also the last episode before I release the live recording of the podcast which is taking place on the 26th of November at The Four in King's Cross. If you haven't already got your tickets for this event then head to the link in my Instagram bio as it's going to be awesome. Okay, on with the episode. Hello, Alison. Lovely to have you on the podcast. Hi, Grace. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you today. So listeners, as you can probably hear, Alison has an American accent and she is coming to me from what part of the USA are you in, Alison? I live in San Francisco, California. Amazing. Very cool part of the States. It is. Yes. Um, I originally grew up on the East Coast um, in Rhode Island. So a much different vibe. But I've lived in San Francisco for 15 years. My kids are born here. So this is home very much now. Amazing. Um, Now, the reason I am super excited to talk to you today is because we're going to get into all things food waste, um, which is a huge passion of yours. And you're doing really cool stuff in that area. However, I've got to start with the first question that I ask everyone that comes on State of Mind, which is, what is the last thing you did that positively impacted your health? Wow. Um, you know, I wish the answer was I went for a swim because that is the thing that I sort of hold as like most healing and makes me feel amazing. But I have two little kids and it's been really challenging to do that recently. So instead, I've taken to doing yoga at home. I manage maybe once a week. Um, but that's like the, the time where I actually have a moment for myself. It's quiet. It's just me. Um, and so that will do in a pinch. It's easier to pull off, but my true love is um, is swimming. So 
Amazing. That's so funny that you say that because obviously we haven't spoken before, but my huge passion is swimming as well, like wild swimming. I don't know whether awesome. you're talking about swimming in a pool oh. or if you're swimming in a lake or... I, so I never swam. I never was on the swim team. I actually had to Google how to swim for exercise to make sure I was doing the strokes correctly. So yeah. I was kind of self-taught and it was because I did a mini triathlon. So for a while, this was maybe like uh, five or six years ago, I did used to swim outside and I loved it. But that's even more challenging with little kids. So I've put that on hold. I would love to get back to that though. Amazing. So let's jump in. Your passion is food waste. Now, why yes. is that such a big concern of yours? Yeah. So my passion originally was just food. And I had a business where I would um, cook dinners for busy families. I had a cafe and a large catering company. So we were cooking a lot of food. And I really was into just, you know, the bounty of produce that we have in San Francisco and connecting with the farmers. And we just, it's really, um, you know, they call it the salad bowl sometimes of the United States because we grow so much food here and there's such a variety year round. So food was my original passion. And as a food entrepreneur who's self-funded, you know, I ran a mom and pop style shop anything that was wasted was really my own salary. So to be a decent business person, I couldn't waste food. So it started for me for very um, practical financial survival reasons. And I ran that business for about 10 years and sold it. And then I went to work for a big food company and they threw, I was in charge of purchasing. They threw away so much food. They had to have like special dumpsters just for the food that they were throwing away, both oh my gosh, both from you know either mistakes in the kitchen or because they made more than they could sell, and as the person responsible for both buying it and throwing it away, it just hit me in this different way. Um, you know, when my business threw food away, it was so small, but to see this huge company doing it, and then also realizing that they're just one of many companies throwing away this much food. Uh, it was really just a really visceral experience to, to be responsible for that. And that was 2016, early to 2016. Right around that time, um, the NRDC, which is a, a government, or I guess it's a nonprofit actually, but they are scientists. They put out the first big report about the environmental impacts of food waste and actually showing a snapshot of how big the problem really is. And right at that time, I was looking for my next thing. I knew it would be in food, but I wanted something more mission-based than just serve nice food to rich people. And um, the two just came together right at the right moment. And I knew I could help people. I knew I had something to say. And combining my love of cooking and food with, with something to be more environmentally conscious and to actually help individuals take action, it just mm. all came together right at the right moment. So um, this specific food waste journey and, and that specifically being my passion has started um, since about 2016. And, and what are the kind of key issues surrounding food waste? I mean, how mm -hmm. is it affecting the planet that we live on? Sure. So when food gets thrown away, the majority of it um, goes, and this is across 
um, really developed countries. So it's true in the UK as well. Most food ends up in the landfill. And when it degrades in the landfill, there's no oxygen. So it creates methane as opposed to putting food in the compost uh, where it has access to oxygen. And then when it decomposes, it does not create methane in the same way. And methane, of course, is one of the greenhouse gases, which is driving the warming of our planet and climate change. So it's kind of simplified in that way. Um, we can get into it. There are also many problems with composting. That's not a great solution. It's slightly mm -hmm. better than the landfill, but it's still pretty low in, you know, where you want your food to end up. But that's really the biggest problem um, is that the food goes into landfill, uh, doesn't have access to oxygen and creates methane, drives, drives the warming of the planet. The other thing that was really interesting to me as somebody who, you know, I'm a chef, but I've spent most of my career not working in restaurants, but working in people's homes. I did catering and meal delivery and really solving the what's for dinner at home question. And what I have really dug into and have been so inspired to, to talk about is that when you look at where most food is wasted... You, you see a lot of articles and attention blaming like the farms or transport, production. You see a lot about grocery stores, but actually the largest chunk of food is wasted in our own homes. Mm -hmm. And the joke's on us because we've paid for that food and then we bring it home, we store it in our fridge for a little while, and then we throw it away. So we're yeah. throwing away our time, our money. It's terrible for the planet. I mean, there's so many reasons to get somebody interested in solving this problem. Um, I, just a quick note to say that in the world as a whole, in developing countries where they don't have, um, you know, the transportation systems and refrigeration like we do in the U.S. and the U.K., um, more food is lost, which means it's on the in the fields and they can't get it into refrigeration or into the stores fast enough. So there's a difference between food loss and waste, and it is really right. two different problems. Um, but food waste, to me, is the more easy problem to solve because we can mm. all start working on it right away. It really, you know, it starts with, with what we choose to do as individuals. And that's yeah. why I find it so inspiring, too, because we can all decide to do something and, and um, have a you know, a little bit of a change and just start changing our communities and our, our culture around uh, the value that we give to food that's already been grown and has come into our homes. And we can, so we can all do something about it, which to me, I feel like for all the problems that we're facing in the world, the fact that I can take action on this today without spending any money or doing anything extreme is just so exciting. Like that makes me want to talk about it more and be involved. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, as, as you were saying that, I was thinking this is such a valuable crusade to have because it's really it's really demoralizing how many issues we have at the moment, so, you know, surrounding this whole concept of environmental sustainability. And often, even if, you know, I choose to carry my reusable water, water bottle or I choose to carry a keep cup or I choose to try and shop in bulk stores, actually what we need for truly impactful change is is change from the top down from like yes. policy level like we will we will got to do our bit fair but we really really need the people that are in power to right. to make a difference but like what you were saying just there with the food waste that the problem is coming from the homes you know that's obviously there are other areas and other sectors as you mentioned that waste food but if the biggest food wastage is coming from our home bins 
then right. it's an incredible opportunity to make a, a serious impact on our on our environment. Definitely. It's something, you know, I always kind of refer to it as a toehold. It's a place you can get started and actually mm. do something. And, you know, my favorite um, nonprofits and studies talking about individual behavior change versus systemic change is, mm. you know, it's clear we are not going to stop climate change or save the planet with individual behavior changes. You know, one yeah. glass straw or a reusable tote bag is not going to change the world, but we need to work on it from both ends. And yeah. systemic change happens when culture happens and changes. And, you know, recently we've seen the global climate strikes, you know, led by a teenager, an incredibly amazing and inspiring teenager. Yeah. But when you see that this is starting to happen, those are all individuals. So if you can imagine even something like using a reusable water bottle, you know, there are millions of us doing that every day. And if you think about what it was like to do that 10 years ago versus now, it's become much more commonplace. And in the U.S., we're starting to see laws around, you know, banning plastic straws. And these things seem silly, but when, when individuals do it and it starts to become a bit of a cultural shift or an expectation shift, that's when we start to drive you know, community change and then um, regional change and then hopefully systemic change comes from there too. But if we just all sit around and accept that this is what's happening and we're not dedicated in any part to showing that we're at least doing what we can, um, I think it's both demoralizing and you can't possibly expect the system to change if you're not willing to change as an individual and show that that's what we want. Yeah, I think... I think it's interesting because I feel like there's a real, um, it's very easy to see how carrying your reusable water bottle is doing good because you've got a physical symbol right. of what you're standing up for. You know, it's, it's, it's like a burning flame. You know, I am, I care. I've got this water bottle. Right. However, I feel like there's a huge disconnect between um, putting a few rotten carrots in your bin at home and actually the change that you could make if you didn't do that so Definitely. how do we yeah I mean how do we mm -hmm. how do we get drive that point across how do we access those people that have no idea that they're over shopping or they're wasting too much I mean right. what do you think it's going to take to change people's behaviors that are just like so blase about throwing away food yeah, this is an amazing question. I ask myself this question multiple times every day. And, mm. you know, my my business that helps me keep doing this work is to tell people what to buy and cook. I write recipes that they can follow along. But my platform is much bigger than that. I'm trying to create community and a sense of belonging and um, you know, if your literal next door neighbor doesn't pay attention to food waste or they're throwing out tons, I still want you to feel like you're connected and, and part of a community and know that you have virtual neighbors or, you know, neighbors across the ocean who are paying attention because they think, you know, it feels good to be part of a group and taking action. So I think about this all the time. What ways can I motivate people? And you know, when people write to me or, you know, send me a picture of their garbage can or their their vegetable stock that they're making, um, I do try to ask, like, well, what made you do that? What motivated you to do that? And I, I, the biggest response I get is that even if they're just following me on Instagram and they saw a tip about, 
you know, eating your potato peels or, you know, making a, a chicken stock after you roast a chicken. It, they're thinking about it. And I do think um, financially, people don't want to be wasting their money. You work so hard to make it. So when you connect that the food that you would be throwing away has monetary value, I think that's a good way in with a lot of people. Mm. Other people who really are, you know, empathetic and care a lot about um, like social justice and what's going on there, they seem to be very motivated by learning about and getting to know individuals who don't have enough to eat. And it just makes you feel, you know, you think about it twice. If I'm throwing away a cucumber because I bought it and just didn't get to it, that starts to feel very wasteful in a different way when you think others, you know, in your neighborhood don't have enough to eat and would be very grateful to have that cucumber. So that's mm -hmm. another point in, and then really just a lot of visuals. So one of the things on my, my website that I do is provide an impact report. So if people are following along on my meal plans, I've estimated how much food, like the average person wastes versus what, how much less they would waste by following my meal plan. And then okay. we've used a calculator to figure out how many kilograms of greenhouse gases that is. Oh, so wow. each week I can say to you, Grace, you followed the meal plan. You've saved four kilograms of greenhouse gases. But that doesn't make you feel anything, right? You're like, I don't know. Is that good? Is that bad? What was I wasting before? So I worked with a specialist to convert kilograms of greenhouse gases into equivalent slices of pizza. So at the end of every week, I can show you in number of slices of pizza, your standard triangle pie, and say at the end of the week, you've saved 10 slices of pizza from the landfill. And then below that, we add up the results from my entire community, all the users following my meal plans. And to date, when I checked it earlier this week, we were like a few pieces shy of 100,000 slices of pizza saved from the landfill. Amazing. And when you start to think that you're a part of that, you know, that's a mind-blowing amount of pizza. Um, mm. Those sort of connections and images and, you know, providing feedback and validation and reports to people are just all some of the ways that I'm chipping away at making people feel connected about it. Um, we also have a Facebook group where people can comment, you know, hey, I did this with my cucumber. Or yesterday, perfect example, I was at a party. They made sangria. Everybody drank all the wine and the fruit was left over in the dispenser. And the host was like, hey, Allison, I know this is what you talk about all the time. <sighs> what do we do with all these wine-soaked apples and pears in the sangria? And I said, challenge accepted. So I took home the fruit and I'm going to make like a spiced red wine fruit compote. And I'll be able to serve that like over crostini. Um, and then I'm also going to make an apple, cinnamon, red wine, apple, spoon bread, like a kind of an upside down cake with the extra yeah. fruit. So, you know, people are thinking about it when they see it and when they just feel like they're connected to part of the community. But, you know, I'd love if anybody has ideas, you know, what what makes you feel inspired? Um, you know, write me. Let me know. I will make it happen. That's, you know, it's part of the plan. Amazing. 
I'm interrupting this recording because I have a very important announcement. On the 26th of November, I'm doing a live podcast recording that's taking the form of a panel discussion, and I'll be interviewing the amazing Richie Bostock and Debbie Lewis. Richie, aka The Breath Guy, is a breathwork instructor and Wim Hof certified coach. Richie is an absolute dream, and if you haven't tried breathwork yet, then I urge you to come and see what the fuss is all about at this event. Our breath is our direct access pathway to our brain, and by manipulating the breath, we can begin to exercise some control over our nervous system. For example, take ourselves out of a stressed state, or create a boost of energy, or alter the level of gases in our bodies. Debbie Lewis is a functional medicine practitioner and a veteran of state of mind. She's a member of BANT and the CNHC, which basically means that she's overqualified to give you advice on diet, health and well-being. The previous episode that I recorded with Debbie was one of the best received of the whole series, as she was able to elegantly yet efficiently cut through a lot of the Nutribollocks out there and deliver real practical advice to my listeners. The three of us will be discussing the topic of taking responsibility for your own health. There will be goodie bags for all and I can't wait to see you there. If you'd like to come along, then please do head to the ticket link in my Instagram bio. So just head over to my page, which is at Grace Kingswell, and click the link there. Alternatively, you can Google search for State of Mind Live Eventbrite and it will come up. I'm so excited about this. You're not going to want to miss it. Wow, it's really inspiring what you're doing. And I think, you know, giving someone a visual aid makes it so much easier to assess the impact. I know here in the UK, we throw away 25 million slices of bread every day yes. from households. Um, I think because, I mean, I'm, I'm a nutritional therapist, so I'm really interested in health and wellness and kind of this healthy revolution that we're currently having. And I really feel like food waste and kind of this health revolution are kind of progressing hand in hand because I think part of the problem with food waste is that we place no value on food anymore because yes. it is so cheap yes. and you can go to the supermarket and you can buy terrible crappy food with you know processed to the max which is providing no nutritional value for your body yep. for like a pound you know a dollar whatever it is yep. and so of course you don't care if you throw that in the bin you right. know, right. because it's so cheap. Yep. But if we start to actually value, you know, I will like, this is a bit ridiculous. And like anyone listening, you're probably going to say <laughs> either Grace, you're like really wealthy or really privileged or just really stupid. But I, food is really important to me and quality food is really important to me. I will happily spend the best part of 20 pounds on an organic chicken that's been reared sustainably and properly Whereas you could go to a major supermarket and buy a whole chicken for for like five pounds or like le definitely less definitely. than ten, you know, there's a huge disconnection between yeah. between what we you know our value of food. Right. Would Would and you agree? I absolutely agree. And because I started this journey as a chef who was inspired by high quality food, mm. um, part of what I've been able to do is spend a lot of time with local farmers and, you know, touring. We have this amazing ranch just north of me in, in San Francisco um, 
where they're actually using, they raise cows and, you know, beef gets a lot of um, negative attention and it is a big part of the problem. But what this very small specific ranch is doing is working um, to raise their cows in a way on these fields that actually sequester carbon. So they've kind of turned the beef conversation on its head, but right now they're doing it, you know, it's relatively small. It's wildly expensive. It is like Mm. twice as expensive as any other beef. But you could argue that that's the true cost of what beef is. So if you're going to buy, you know, some for dinner, maybe instead of like a typical American eating six ounces each, which is too much red meat for anybody in one sitting, maybe you use it, you know, more like a condiment, as they say. So each serving is more like four ounces. So then to feed your family, instead of even buying a whole pound of it, you're able to buy half or three quarters of a pound. So even though it was twice as expensive, you're spending the same amount, but then the true cost of what it took to raise the cattle and what it cost for, you know, the health of the planet and and all of that is actually then registered with that purchase. So mm. I do recognize how privileged that is. So certainly telling everyone to go buy the most expensive beef from one tiny farm north of San Francisco is not exactly the solution. But I think it does tie into, you know, what I was saying about individual actions when you have the, you know, versus systemic change. When you have the opportunity to do that or figure out the ways that you have available to you to start taking some of these preferred actions that register the true cost and, you know, give back to the earth and the community and doing things in a way that will let us all, you know, survive more healthfully, then it's important to be able to do those things. And then, you know, like that rancher is working, I know, to teach other farms how to do this as well. So it's sort of Mm -hmm. like my piece is just to be able to support him. That's what I'm able to do. And I'm also able to teach others how to cook with less beef and enjoy their meal. But then the rancher can kind of pick up the baton and teach other ranchers and then he can reach others. So it sort of has to connect in this way, which um, I'm actually kind of cynical and that's crazy idealistic, but, but I feel like that's how it has to work. Um, You know, we can't all solve it all. No, but I think, um, or I, I feel, and I sense that there really is more of this regenerative agriculture, uh, you know, it's, it's becoming more wide, widely known. And I think, you know, there definitely is a conversation there, especially around beef, which is the scourge of the earth at the moment, yeah. isn't it? It's like, do yeah. one thing, do this one. If you want to make the biggest am- impact on the planet that you can possibly do is eat a vegan diet. Yep. But the conversation is so much more complex than that right. because these um, regenerative farms that are farming um, cattle in a carbon sequestering way, in a regenerative way, are also increasing the biodiversity of of our planet. Right. Yeah. And we need that. We need that right. for life. And, you know, they graze the soil in a way that's very natural, very sustainable, improving the topsoil, all these things. Like right. the question is the conversation is always more complex. So I think it's really good that. Hopefully the message right. is getting out there that it's it's not as simple as just don't eat beef or whatever. I had the opportunity last March to go to um, a conference in Washington, D.C. Um, it was hosted by National Geographic, which was it was really wonderful. And their approach to um, to eating beef or eating a more plant forward or vegan diet was, I thought, very um 
very powerful. And even somebody like my dad who loves hamburgers, right? To him, that's the most simple, perfect meal is a hamburger. He's Mm. never going to be a vegan. And when he hears that that's what people are pushing for, you know, he really puts up walls around that. And just, it's easier to say, well, you know, I'm near, it's the last decade of my life. So forget it. I'm I'm not going to do that. Um, So the way National Geographic said it is they kind of put everybody on a bar graph. They divided like the whole population into five groups, the quintiles, they called them. So instead of everybody going vegan, all you have to do is take one step down from the quintile that you're in. So if you eat red meat six times a week, just eat it four times a week. So you're not going vegan. You're hardly even going to notice. It's just a little less. And then somebody like me who eats red meat maybe once or twice a month, I can just commit to once a month, or maybe I want to consider never eating it. And I'm not going to feel that as much as my dad who eats a hamburger every other day. And all he has to do is, you know, it's, so it's, it's more like a gentle shift. And they actually were able to prove with numbers that if everybody were able to take that one step down, the impact would be enough to make the difference. So we don't all have to go vegan, which is so extremist and scary to people if they're not ready to hear that. Um, It's just that baby step down and it's so doable. Mm. It's Mm. so doable. And it's also, yeah, that's incredible. And it's also um, so much more in line with our more primitive ancestors. You know, we wouldn't have eaten meat every day. We would have hunted and killed something once a month. But whenever we got lucky enough to do it, we would have eaten meat. And then we would have gone back to eating tubers and root veggies and berries and like all of that stuff. So, yeah. That's really cool. Exactly. Yeah, um, I thought it was very inspiring. And they had it. I'm pretty sure you can find it on their, um, on the National Geographic site and all their behavior or climate change needs behavior change is what they said. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it was really, really motivating. And I thought, you know, getting back to what we were talking about before is how do we motivate individuals to let them know that what they're doing matters? I just thought the way that they put this out um, resonates better than the people that are worried that we're taking away your beef, we're taking away your airplanes, and you know we're not mm-hmm. really taking all those things away. Um, you don't. It doesn't have to be that extreme. There's plenty that we can do in a very reasonable way that you're barely going to notice in your day to day life, and it still will make such a big difference if we all do this. I just want to ask you quickly about, well, talk quickly about plastic in regards to food waste, because obviously plastic is a huge problem that we have. Um, We throw away a lot of it and most of it ends up sadly in our oceans. Um, It also breaks down into microplastics, which then enters the food chain and enters the air that we breathe in, et cetera, et cetera. We all know the drill. However, take your humble cucumber, for example, Mm -hmm. put it in a plastic wrap a plastic shrink wrap and it will last for up to I think it is 12 extra days now that's 12 more days that you have to use that cucumber mm-hmm. and not throw it in your bin because it's gone off can we in your opinion tackle both issues at the same time I mean because obviously we've got the plastic there but then we've got the lack of food waste and it's kind of this like oh you know which is the best way to go what's right. your opinion on that oh that's I could probably on different days argue different sides. At the end of the day, I think single-use plastics have to go. I have yeah. to I have to come down on team single-use plastics have to go. <laughs> um, I um that said, I will back up a second. Um 
it's, we are so inundated with them that to completely get rid of them is, um, it's, it's hard to even imagine how we will, we will do that. So, you know, solving one problem with the other, like not wasting a cucumber by wrapping it in a single use plastic that will be around for the next billion years, um, doesn't seem like a good solution. And I just think that we are smarter than that. We're more creative than that. Uh, we care more mm. than that. I think I'm, I'm not a very black and white person, right? The world is full of rainbows and grayscale. And I, I think we just, we have to expect better of ourselves than that. Um, so I think they, they do go hand in hand. I mean, the ideal, again, this is also very privileged, but the very ideal food shopping situation is that you go to your local farmer's market where, you know, things aren't wrapped in plastic and you're in touch with what they're growing now, because as you said, that's better for the biodiversity. That's better for the farm. They're probably using better practices, whether or not the farm is organic um, small farmers with, you know, diverse set of crops are better for the overall planet than mm-hmm. large, you know, monocrops or things shipped into from Mexico or, you know, wherever they, they have a, a different growing season. So that, you know, again, that's the ideal. And I think it is privileged. So I totally understand that not everybody is able to do that either. You know, even if you can afford it, you might not have the time, but I still think it's okay to sort of hold that up as the gold standard. And this is the ideal and then figure out ways that you can within your actual uh, life, whether that be time, money, location, whatever it is, what are the ways you can come closer to achieving that? And maybe this means mapping it out, right? Maybe this is why I'm a huge plan of, um, a huge fan of planning. Don't leave it to the last minute. You know, what are you actually going to cook this week? And put that all down. What times will you go to the market? Where will you go? You know, so that you can know in advance. And it just takes a little bit of time to pay attention. And that might mean you can avoid supporting those single-use plastics. And I do also think, um, you know, voting with your dollars matters. So Mm -hmm. if you aren't buying those cucumbers that are wrapped and you're buying even the unwrapped ones, um, eventually we can start to show that we don't want those in the market anymore. I just hope we can do it fast enough um, because we do have to, you know, the whole world needs to be acting quickly here. Yeah. Uh, There are also... A couple of companies, I think I, I know of at least two or three companies that are working on a different kind of coating that's like a plant-based spray that vegetables get. And they've shown that they've been able to extend the life of avocados and strawberries uh, for the same amount of time without using any plastic. So again, I think this is where you know we're smarter and more innovative than just putting plastic on it because you know we've, we've accepted plastic as the norm. This is just what we do. I think we can be better than that. So what are the ways we can support these companies? Maybe we follow them on Instagram or reshare their picture or just tell your friends that you're really excited to see this. And hopefully they'll, you know, grow fast enough. And when we see them in the market, we can support that. So, um, as a chef, the last thing I want to say about that is, you know, there are other ways you can extend the life of cucumbers. You can make sure that your refrigerator is, you know, working with the right temperatures by putting a thermometer in it. You can, um, I have resources on my website about um, the the humidity drawers on your refrigerator. Those actually mean something and how much humidity are you letting into the two different drawers on the bottom and then storing the proper vegetables together in the correct drawer. Like you don't want to, um, you know, put onions with 
with um, tomatoes. They'll make them, they'll spoil faster. You don't want to store bananas. You don't want to store things like apples and pears um, actually promote ripening. So you don't want to put like, you know, the classic um, uh, proverb, I guess, is one bad apple spoils the batch. It literally does. That's why we say that. So if you put an apple that's really, really ripe in with other fruits, what it what it releases actually encourages other fruit to ripen more quickly. So you can do yeah. a little bit of research and kind of be pretty crafty on your own um, using the tools that we all have that are not plastic to preserve some of these things longer. And then if your cucumber is nearing the end, you can puree it and pop it in the freezer for later for a smoothie. You can pickle it. I have tons of recipes for quick pickling. Um, you know, lots of things you can do with it rather than, you know, rely on, on something simple and also problematic, like wrapping it in plastic. And is this presumably where ends and stems comes in? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I hope that's how people think of me. So again, whether that's actually, whether you need the full service and you want me to actually tell you what to buy and cook, um, you know, which is what my, my business is. It's a meal planning website. So people can go on each week. I plan out their recipes for them. It generates a grocery list. So here's what you buy and here's what you cook and you will inadvertently reduce your food waste. You'll use up everything in your grocery bags. But I also have tons of free resources and on my Instagram page, I'm always posting stories, tips, tricks, things that you can do so you can start to learn about it. And this is where I get really excited. Oh, and our Facebook group is free too. So people can actually post a question like, hey, you know, where did you say to store this apple again? Or, you know, this this um, bunch of spinach isn't looking great. What should I do with it? So that we're all kind of have, coming together to have this conversation. And I'm just getting started. The community is is um, is growing and more people are talking about it. There's so many more resources um, that I want to give back to people so that people start to learn about our food and the 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 ways that we can all be a little bit better or just inspiring you. If you're going to throw out the heels of your bread, maybe instead of doing that and contributing to the millions of slices thrown out every day, you know, pop them in your freezer. And when you have a moment, blend them up in the food processor. You can crumble them up by hand and you have breadcrumbs and then you can use them in thousands of dishes. Um, so, and you know, whether you have time to do the breadcrumbs now or put it in your freezer and wait till you have a lot and do a little bit later, um, all of those things are available to us and completely doable. Amazing. And then just before we get on to the last three questions that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast, um, can you just give listeners three or so simple takeaways, tips um, that they can put mm-hmm. into practice to start um, reducing their food waste today? Yes. Number one, most important, before you go into the grocery store, know what you're going to buy. Shop from a grocery list. I actually interviewed a couple thousand people and only 6% of them said they grocery shop with a list. And I'm sure from a nutrition point of view, this is a big tip too, because you don't want to go in hungry or bored or without focus because you just start pulling out random things and you have no plan. So it's a little bit hard. It's definitely a habit, but try it for a couple weeks. Know which recipes you want to cook in the upcoming week and then calculate the groceries you need before you go into the store. What do you actually need in your house? You'll buy less, you'll spend less, and then you'll have a plan for using it all up and you'll probably eat more healthily too. So definitely grocery shop, Uh, with a list, have a meal plan. The other thing to do is start from your fridge. Look around. What do you already have on hand? Do a, uh, like a pantry check. What do you have? You know, do you have a cup of lentils that are kind of in there and you just 
haven't cooked them in a while. Start from there and see what you can use up so that you're actually storing less at your house at any given moment. And when you have less, um, in a good way, you can see what you have and you're more likely to be able to kind of go through all those things. Um, and then the other one is uh, find community. Find people who care about this too that you can talk about it with. I suggest ends and stems, but if it's not that one, um, two of my favorite founders, uh, female founders in the UK, founded an app called Olio, O-L-I-O. Do you know that one? Yeah, and yeah. They're amazing. So you can join somewhere like that where you can actually give away your leftovers or give away your extra food. But importantly, they also are building community. And um, you know, so you know that it's not just you. It's not just one piece of bread that's being saved, but you can really plug in to others who are already paying attention to this. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Alison. I feel like we've learned a lot in a very short space of time with that. So it's really great. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of people will be inspired to reduce their food waste, having listened to you talk about it. So thank right. you so much. Um, I always end with the same three questions for everyone. The first one is, what's one thing you would do again if you could? Oh, wow. Um, I went on a trip right before my daughter was born. My husband and I went on our last hurrah trip where we got to go rafting down the Grand Canyon. Um, wow. And it's funny being in the United States, you think, well, you need to go outside or you need to go somewhere grand and amazing. And, you know, oh, Arizona, you know, that's just another state. And I feel like we, we dismiss it because it's so close. But being totally isolated and camping and rafting down, you know, one of the natural wonders of the world for seven days was absolutely incredible. And um, I would go back in a heartbeat. Amazing. I would love to do that oh, for I, the first time. <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And what's one thing you could change? What's one thing you would change if you could? Sorry. And this can be in your life or the world in general or whatever oh, you want to see. That's even harder. The world in general, so many things. Um, I suppose the number one thing that I would change in the world was that um, Hillary Clinton won and we did not have uh, Donald <laughs> Trump as our president. Yes. That would have to go with that one. <laughs> I actually started Ends and Stems as an Instagram feed the day after, the morning after we found out he was elected because the, really? call, the call on that day was we must do something like we can't possibly let this happen like this. Yeah. And um, everybody, you know, the activists and everybody were saying, what do you, what can you do? And mm. I, I had been thinking about this idea for a while and I just sat down. I said, I'm going to start with Instagram. I don't know how this is a business. I don't know how this is my future. I was employed elsewhere, but I said, I can put reducing food waste tips on um, Instagram and help people be better for the planet. So that's fantastic that. and probably the best answer I've ever had to that question. <laughs> um, and finally, the podcast is called State of Mind. Mm -hmm. What does state of mind mean to you? That's a great question. I love that. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's sort of your your feeling and and it's it's a uh, it's sort of where my heart is, where my brain is, you know, and and how I'm. Um, showing up in the world. And, you know, like I was joking, I was being very optimistic, but I said I'm actually kind of cynical at times. And I think I could have either of those states of mind, but I, you know, I choose to try to be more on the optimistic side. So I think it's really the vibes that you put out and what you present. And it's a, a sum of, of, of what you do and what you say, but, you know, it, it's what's in your heart and what's in your gut and, and kind of how you're showing up in the world, I guess. Is how I would Amazing. 
Amazing. Alison, thank you so much. This has been brilliant. Thank you for having me. I'm um, honored to uh, pipe in. Isn't this so cool? We can connect, um, I know. you know, halfway across the world. And um, I just, I love it. It's, I think it's, it's so amazing that we can do this. So Me too. And I'll put um, where people can find you and contact you and everything like that in the show notes. So yeah, Fantastic. amazing. Thank you. Thank you for all you do and uh, have a great day. Thank you so much again for tuning into State of Mind. I can't believe it's nearly the end of the series. I'm really, really excited about this live episode on the 26th of November. I hope you can all join me there. If you haven't already left a review for the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, I'd be over the moon if you wouldn't mind leaving me five stars, if you enjoyed it, that is. Um, And do tell your friends about State of Mind so that we can keep spreading the message and getting the word out there. So I'll see you for the live. Bye-bye.